is interesting and what I want to share this morning in two of the songs that mentioned a little bit about it. I don't remember which songs, but anyways, the last one was. First one was, O Joy That Seeketh Me. O Joy That Seeketh Me Through Pain. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 8. And as you turn in there, I would ask you the question, was there anything in this past week in your life that brought you lots of joy? You just felt joyful, felt happy. And I would be honest to say that that thing will probably be soon forgotten. Uh, We'll remember, but we won't have the joy. So we'll have to do it again and again and again. Well, I would like to share about a type of joy that we should have that will never fade away or change. So Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm going to read the first 12 verses, but I want to just talk about the one verse, but it kind of brings up why Jesus, uh, why um, Ezra said what he did here in Nehemiah. Now, Ezra would have been probably active 13 years before Nehemiah was, so if you, lots of times you look at Ezra and you look at Nehemiah, it kind of all goes, runs together along with a lot of those prophets. And at the time of the reading, after Nehemiah had built the wall, at the time of the reading, there was approximately 42,000 people there. So think of that as we're reading down through here. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man unto the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning till midday before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Now remember, the book of the law would have been probably the first four chapters of the Bible, or five books of the Bible. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him was Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah, and on his right hand and on his left hand, Badiah, Mishael, Malchiah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. <laughs> Sorry about the stumbling through the words. I thought about them, just not reading them. 
And Ezra opened the book of the, in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua and Benaiah and Bani and Shabiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hadaniah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jezebed, Hannah, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tersheba, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites that taught the people, said unto the people, This day is holy. And the reason that he said this day is holy is because this day was the day that they had read about in the first five books about keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. And so this was a holy day unto the Lord. He says, Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be sorry for the joy and of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. The phrase that I wanted to look at was in verse 10. Ezra says, to go, to go. You know, this is a holy day. He says, now go, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I don't know if you think about being joyful in the Lord, if if that's a foreign thought to you or not. But there are times when people see God working in their life, as, as Mary did, when, you know, to see God working in their life and being, to be able to carry the, the Messiah, you know, it brought great joy to her. And she was joyful. And I'm sure there are times in your lives where you see God working in your life and you, it brings you great joy. But the joy that I think we should talk about is the joy that sustains us through the sorrows of our life, through the struggles that come our lives. Um, You know, Owen talked about the great joy of finding the right belt. You know, there are times when there's great joy, but there are times where, um, yeah, the belt breaks and what do I do? Joy is an emotion evoked by well-being success, uh, 
a good prospect or, you know, something that something happens in your life, a desire that you have that's been fulfilled, and it brings you great joy, that uh, emotion of joy, and then a um, state of happiness. And the joy that it talks about here in Ezra is a calm happiness. So when you talk about joy, it's not a, you know, great expression, you know, going around and giving everybody high fives or, you know, being joyful. But it's a, a continued joy. It's a joy in the Lord in the midst of whatever is I'm facing in my life, whether it is joyful or whether it's not. But it's a joy in the Lord, so it's a not a joy in the things of this world. It's not a joy doing things that make me happy, but it's a joy in the Lord because he makes us happy. I want to turn to First Chronicles 16.27. It says, here in the midst, and the reason why we go to the Lord for, for this joy that, that I'm trying to bring out is the joy that is in the presence of God. First Chronicles 16.27 reads, Glory and honor are in his presence. And that is the presence of God. Strength and gladness are in his place. So... Glory and honor, but also strength and happiness. The same word that you would see in joy. And then if we want to go to 1 Samuel, you'll see the story of Hananiah, or um, Hannah, and how Hannah prayed and her heart rejoiced in the Lord because the Lord was blessing her with a, with a child. And then if we go to Psalm 16, chapter, uh, verse 11, it says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in the presence, or in thy presence. So, in the presence of God is fullness of joy at the right hand that are pleasures forevermore. Joy is an echo of God living within me. It's part of the it's part of the fruit of the spirit. Love, and then the next phrase says joy. And it's at the top of the list as far as the fruit of the spirit. Rejoicing in God is in the manner prescribed in his word, serving him with cheerfulness, thanksgiving, and that will give you the strength both in mind and body, and it will help us endure and oppose the deception that we face in this world. And as we see the world going further and further away from God, our joy should sustain the same, and we should be able to give us strength through that time. So what does it look like in your eyes to have the joy of the Lord? 
I want to bring out three or four aspects of it. And the first one is Luke 10, 20. It says, notwithstanding in this. Now, he was talking earlier about those 70 that had went out and and done great things. You know, even the devils were subject to their, their, um, their through his name. And uh, anyways, so they came back and they were impressed. But Jesus says, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. And I think that is a, a key. Salvation should bring us joy to know that my sins are forgiven, to know that my name has been written in the book of life. And so as we go through life, that should be what brings us joy, is to remember who I am. I'm a child of God. The angel in the Christmas story said that they were bringing good tidings of great joy. Bringing out again the idea that joy is only through Christ. It's not through the things of this world, the things that we enjoy doing. It's only momentary joy. But this joy sustains us through all. And John 17, 13 says his joy that he has, when he leaves, he's going to give to us that through him, we might have that joy. And so the joy that Jesus had of coming here onto this earth and to redeem us and bring us in to be his child of God should bring us great joy. And that's what Jesus is saying. I did this for you so that you can have the same joy that I have. So is that joy in your life right now? Charles Spurgeon said that had quoted that I thought I could have leaped from earth to heaven in one spring when I first saw my sins drowned in the Redeemer's blood. The excitement of knowing that I'm free, my sins are cleansed, and I'm f- going to live forever with him in a place that I'm sure you're familiar with, heaven, to be with him should be enough to keep us through the thick and the thin in our life. Another area that I'd like to look at is in Acts 24, a clear conscience. Do we really know what a clear conscience feels like? And I would say yes, we all do. Um... Acts 24, verse 16 says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. So just to be able to be here and knowing that I have a clear conscience before God 
and I have, there is nothing between me, between me and God and between me and the brother. It gives us a peaceful feeling, gives us joy to know that I can sit here and enjoy the fellowship and not have this nagging thing going in through my conscience, say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? But just knowing that I'm clear before God. The third thing I would like to look at is in John chapter 15. Speaking of um, what brings us joy. We talked about salvation and we talked about having a clear conscience. But John 15, I'll start with verse 9. For as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay his life, lay down his life for his friends. You know the song, J-O-I? That last verse brought, uh, I think of it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay his down. Lay his life for his friends. It's Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Nathan, could you lead that song? And then the number four is, if you have that joy, um, that's a rare treasure to have. But that joy can be multiplied by giving it away. And we say that doesn't make sense. But Jesus did. He fulfilled his joy by giving it away, giving it to us that we can also experience that joy. It's a treasure that can be multiplied by giving it away. You have this joy in your heart. Give it away. And you'll find yourself blessed far more than... You know, there's just something joyful about sharing it with others. You know, that's part of the joyfulness. You know, when something happens in your life that you just brought you happiness and joy, you know, we want to share it. We want to post it. We want to do something with it. We can't just keep it. And that's the way it is with God's love. We can't just keep the love of God in us, the joy, but we have to give it out. And we'll find out that we'll receive much joy in that. Whether it's through sharing with someone 
um, or whether it's going on the mission field, at work, home, or wherever, in town. And I want to share a little bit about that later. Can we have joy and sorrow at the same time? Is that possible? Joy is an expression of the spirit. Sorrow is the expression of the soul. So if we say, I, I have joy in the Lord, and then our loved one passes away, or um, something bad happens in our life, sickness or whatever, does that change our joy? I think sometimes it's, it does when it shouldn't. <laughs> you know, because I think our focus gets on the wrong thing through those times. Circumstances around us can have an effect on our joy. Through prayer or reading of the word and being around God's people, we can receive encouragement and restore our joy. And that is so true. Through life, circumstance, or through the week, circumstances may come in our way and it it wants to steal our joy. You know, if I was to ask what would take away your joy, you know, the answers would be a lot. But why? Why is that? And I think that is so important that we read the Word of God. Or read a, a good book. We've got to read. We've got to get some input through, through whatever we're facing. And we've got to spend time with God. It's, it's necessary. And I think a greater necessary is for us to encourage one another. And we have to. And especially as you see the and I think maybe that's why in Hebrews it talks about not forsaking the assembly of yourself. But I think as the, as the times are growing harder, more things in, that we're facing in our lives that are kind of, we've never faced them before, we need the encouragement of each other. So let's do that. So what are our things that take away our joy? And if I was to ask you, you might say, well, my husband or my wife or my children. Or... But that's not what takes away your joy. I think what takes away your joy, well, I want to read a verse in First Peter to you quick. First Peter 4.13. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So what he's saying here is rejoice in the hard things in life. But remember that ye are part of Christ, and part of Christ's and Christ had to suffer. And we're going to have to suffer. We live in a, in a world full of people. 
we're going to be faced with a world of people that's hearts aren't turned to God. You know, and the, the thought that I thought this past week that was come out that was so good is, you know, the, the phone is not wrong or it's not evil. The radio is not evil. Television, television is not evil. Social media is not evil. But it's our hearts that runs those things that are evil. And so we need to be really, really in tune with God to be able to keep our joy through that time, through those. But it's normal. It's going to be normal to face trials. It's going to be normal to be laughed at. It's going to be normal to have health issues occasionally. But the things that take away our joy, things in our lives that frustrate us, is basically because we are focused on ourselves, on our lives. And when that takes away what I want in my life, where a health issue comes up and it seems like it sets you back and you know, you're trying to reach this goal and, and it seems like every time you get close, you get set back. That becomes what takes away our joy. It isn't the things... It's because our heart is focused on ourself. James 1.2 says, If we focus on the trial rather than counting it all joy, if we look for reward of the being faithful, then we can lose our joy. I want to read a verse in Habakkuk. 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 Verse chapter 3, and I'll just read a couple verses here. You probably, by the time you get find it, I'll have it. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in vines, in the vines, and the labors of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, and the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice or have joy in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. And that reminded me a lot of of Job. Do you find joy even through the midst of your trials? Second thing that I would like to talk about and that takes our joy is what are you seeking after to receive joy? Um, We had a rough week. I think I've talked about this before. We have a rough week. Our our brains tells us, I want to go and do this so I can get my joy back. Well, if you want to joy, have your joy back, spend time with some Christian friends. Go out to breakfast with the, with your friend and talk. That'll bring you more joy than going shopping or going to the beach or whatever you may do that brings you lots of joy. 
And then the third thing that I want to talk about is what takes our joy is a critical spirit. And I know we can take the joy of of people's uh, joy. We can be critical and we can criticize our children. We can criticize people within the brotherhood. And we can be really critical. But what takes away the joy is not so much people criticizing us, but it's the critical people that have no joy. You know, when you find every fault and detailed and nitpick at people's lives and they should be doing this and they should be doing that and you're the one that lost your joy. So I would encourage you to look at the good of others and you'll receive that that joy. In Ecclesiastes it says it is okay to the joy the good of our labors. It is a gift of God. So I would say, enjoy that. But that joy will not sustain you to the end. Only Christ will. Our lives changes. We lose things. Things decay. Our health fails. But Christ never changes. And he will give us the strength to maintain that joy, uh, the strength to go through that trial so that we can maintain our joy. And the way we maintain our joy is to remember what's on the other side, where, why we're suffering. In the bulletin, it had a statement, sometimes God doesn't change your situation because he is trying to change your heart. And we, we are stubborn people. We are opinionated people. And, it's, and we're proud. And I think God needs to work and work and work as to chip us away from us to be molded into what he wants us to be. And maybe sometimes to do that, he has to be, take a drastic step and and give you health issues. Or take what you love away from you so that you don't have it. Our lives should never change. It, circumstances do, but our lives with Christ should never change. Even though the, I go through the good, I rejoice in Christ. Even though I go through the bad, I rejoice in Christ. And it's easy to say that. But I am in need of that as much as you guys are. Okay. I want to end with a couple questions here for you to think about. Do people see a bright countenance in you? Countenance in you. When you go to town, do people see a happy person? When you interact with people in this world, do they see a different person? Do you share joy encouraging others, or are you stealing it by complaining or being critical of the others? 
Do you cry out to God whenever you're faced with difficult situations? Or do you pity yourself? Feel sorry. Why me? Why do I have to go through this? And sometimes to the point where you blame God. But we should, our first instinct should be to cry out to God. And then do you find joy and fellowship with other believers? Are you enjoying being here this morning? Will you go away? Glad you came. Do you enjoy having company with other believers? And then the last is, do you find joy living your Christian life? If you really want to be honest with yourself, do you really find joy being a Christian? How is it any different to you versus those in the world? Do they see a different person? I'll give you something to think about, but just remember the joy of the Lord, not the joys of these things in this world that bring us joy, but the joy of the Lord is what's going to sustain you through your Christian walk.